Well, today is not only Lord's Day, it's Mother's Day. And mothers are such a great blessing to, to all of us. And it's good that we give a day to celebrate them. And so I know you hate to do it, but moms, would y'all mind standing up for just a moment and let's celebrate these precious women. Amen. Praise God. You, you may be seated. And I, I want to pray for you, but I also want to pray for some who are grieving today. I'm just thinking about some this morning, naming you by name, who've lost your mother and, and some who desire to be a mother, but God has not yet made that possible. And I want to pray for God's strength. So let's pray for that, okay? Lord God, we do. We pray for these precious women that you would strengthen them and that they would know how much we love them and appreciate them. God, I also pray for, for children who are grieving today because of, of the fact that they, they can no longer call or hug or reach out to their mother. And God, we pray for those precious women who pray daily asking you for that, that, wonderful, that wonderful honor of being a mother, that even today you would hear their prayer as you did that of Hannah. And we ask, God, that you bring glory to yourself and, and, and bless us now as we, as we seek to understand your word in our, our way and that you would be glorified again, Lord, that we would be a thriving people who are blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the, these precious mothers, there's so many uh, pictures in the Bible that describe godly, beautiful women. I, I love Proverbs 31, beginning verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sassage to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you, you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Again, what a... What a beautiful description of a godly woman that can also be said of the bride of Christ, the church. This is something that, that not only can be said, but should be said of the church, especially every local church. Living Hope is a local autonomous church that seeks to be a, a beautiful bride unto Christ Jesus, our Lord. And in order to be that bride, we must hold diligently to the word of God and obey the truth and the commands that are there. And to, to not simply say, okay, yes, I understand them from a mental perspective, but to say, no, 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 I, I desire to obey and I walk in obedience to the word of God. We're in this series right now where we're talking about thriving with truth and we're looking at our articles of faith and what the scriptures say about them in particular. And it's important to always remember that doctrine is not just meant to be known, it is meant to be lived. And God has given us his word today for us to respond to it. Everything that we believe, everything that we hold to is based upon the authority of scripture. Here's what our articles say about the scriptures. We believe that the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments of the Bible were written by men inspired by God. It's God's only final and complete written revelation of himself, his ways, purposes, and standards for mankind. It is without error in the original manuscripts, worthy of our trust, sufficient for explaining salvation and authoritative for life, for faith and life. 
Scripture is a testimony to Christ who is the focus of divine revelation. You know, there are a lot of people who talk about the Bible, speak of its beauty, and even know know of of the stories and and the things that it says, but not everyone holds to the authority of Scripture as we do as a church family here at Living Hope. There are some who would say, yes, yes, we, we believe in the Bible and the Bible is nice in as much as the culture is able to define what it says. And so many will take the Bible and they'll say, yes, yes, but only in as much as the culture is able to define what is true or what tradition is able to say that is true or what, what maybe the authorities of the institution say what are true. That, that is not the stance of living hope and it's not the stance of those who I believe take the authority of scripture seriously. Those who will not simply hold to the word are those who are censoring the scriptures. You know, I I don't know if you know this, but most sporting events are actually on a delay, just a slight delay, so that those who are in charge of programming can censor anything that they may not want to air. You know, athletes from time to time, they get a little excited and sometimes they don't agree with officials and and there are things that are said uh, amongst players. And so they don't always want those broadcasts, so they will censor the programming and maybe bleep out some things that they do not want aired. There's some who do the same thing with scripture. There's some who do not like what scripture says plainly. And so they censor the word of God. And they keep it from saying what it absolutely is intended to say. At Living Hope, we hold to the authority of Scripture. And we believe what the Bible says. And today what we want to do is we want to look at the text and, and, and understand that many in our culture are not going to accept many of the things that, that, we're going to be, that are going to be said today. Our text teaches us what is true about marriage and the family and sexuality. And, and the Bible reveals these very three basic unique differences that I want us to begin with. Just acknowledging is true. There's a difference between creator and created. God is the creator and therefore he has authority to define all that is real and true according to his way. There's also a distinction between human beings and animals. Animals are are certainly made to to bring glory to the creator, but there is a dignity that is given to men and women, to human beings, because we've been made in the image of God and given authority and responsibility over his creation. And there is absolutely a distinction between males and females. And it's it's very important that we appreciate these differences, understanding that God has established them in his word. And they're, they're for us to be able to be a thriving people. Remember what it is to be thriving. Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God and the contentment to obey God's commands while trusting outcomes to God's capable care. Those who know and live the truth of God's Bible are freed to be a thriving people. Our beginning text, and I say that uh, not facetiously at all. We're, we're going to begin with a text that, that is, is, is from the Gospels and, and are the words of Jesus. But this is just a beginning text, and I'm going to say something that you will very rarely hear me say. And I'm going to encourage you to do something I don't know that I've ever encouraged you to do before. And that is this. Don't worry about taking notes this morning. That eight o'clock gasped. I, it was like I had offended them. <gasps> It's okay. We, we have posted all these notes on social media, on Facebook in particular this morning. And there is, we're going to go really fast and really hard. All these notes are on, on, on Facebook. And I want to encourage you to listen, to listen very carefully. 
Because what you're going to hear is not what you will hear in culture. As a matter of fact, much of what you're going to hear today is counter-cultural. And I want you to hear it and then go back and think about it more clearly when you have time to discuss it as a family, with your friends and your connect group, and, and, your, and your other uh, circles of influence. So let's, let's go to the Bible. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to be in verses 2 through 9, and we're so excited to have Lainey Grimes, our first reader post-COVID. Come on up here, sweet girl. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Lainey is our first reader in, 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 a, in almost a, over a year uh, to read God's word for our faith family. So Lainey, go ahead and read Mark two, 10, 2 through 9. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him asked, it is lawful for a man to divorce his wife. He answered them, what what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of all creations, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. Again, there are many in our culture today that will not accept these fundamental facts that Jesus espoused in this this very simple, simple language. What Jesus says here was assumed, has been assumed for millennia. And what Jesus explains, it's it's clearly written out in our articles of faith. And I would encourage you to go to our website, livehopeful.com, go to our belief section and read the entire section on human beings. Uh, We're going to touch on quite a bit of it, but certainly not all of it. And I think it deserves a a deep uh, consideration along with all the scriptures. I'm going to give you some of the scriptures, but not all of the scriptures today. And understand from the get-go, many in our culture do not accept what Jesus says. And what we affirm as a church about a number of things, one being marriage. Marriage has been ordained by God to be the union of one biological man and one biological woman in a sacred lifelong covenant. About the essence of humanity, God made human beings of only two genders or sexes, male or female, each full of dignity and equal in worth, yet with distinct qualities and roles. About sexual identity and expression, we believe that the physical body is a creation of God by which he established only two genders or sexes for human beings, male and female. Thus, gender or sexual identity is biologically determined at the chromosomal level and not a matter of personal preference or social construct. About sexual intimacy and immorality, we believe that God gave sexual intimacy as a good gift to be pursued and enjoyed only between one biological man and one biological woman who are married to each other. Sexual immorality, any intimate sexual activity outside the boundaries of, of a covenant marriage is sin and is clearly and expressly prohibited by the Lord. And about the family. The family and children in particular. We believe that God has ordained the family as the foundational institution of human society. It is composed of persons related to one another by marriage, blood, or adoption. Children from conception are fully human and a blessing from God. God has given parents the primary responsibility to train their children to know, love, and obey the Lord by providing a consistent example of the faith, loving discipline, and faithful instruction in God's word. Parents alone and not the state or any other governing institution or organization have the God-given responsibility and authority to raise their children. 
The state retains its God-given responsibility to protect children in instances of abuse, abandonment, and or neglect. Friends, these statements are built upon the truth of the Bible. Living Hope has made the decision to be faithful to the Bible, and it has been, and it will continue to be a great blessing to us because God does not change and his word does not change. And so we have this steadfast foundation from which we can stand. Culture, culture changes. Culture is changing, but God's word does not change. And we, as the bride of Christ, have a responsibility to our Lord, to our husband, the groom, that that is God the Son, who will one day return for us to take him to himself in in that great getting up day when, when we will finally be with him forever and all will be well. But until that time, we must be faithful. We must be faithful to walk in these dark days, following the light of his word, being true to our calling. There is an absolute truth. And regardless of how culture changes, that truth does not change. And so as the bride of Christ, let's celebrate and let's recognize the distinction of what we believe and why. Five statements, again, all of them on Facebook that I would encourage you to hold to today. Listen carefully and consider what the scripture has to say. The first is this, regardless of cultural changes, the truth is Marriage is a lifelong covenant between one biological male and one biological female. The Bible is clear about what marriage looks like. This is Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, as is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands... Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. See, this is a picture of what we are as the church. We are the bride of Christ. And we are to live out that example, and we are to be a picture of this, the beauty of the gospel of what God brings to us. And it's important in that last verse in particular that we understand what what each other needs. Absolutely, every wife needs both love and respect. And absolutely, every husband needs both love and respect. But if you look closely at the text, the challenge is clear. Husbands, love your wives because that's what she needs primarily. And wives, respect your husbands because that's what he needs primarily. And as a husband leads in love and a wife helps with respect, there is a beautiful bond that pictures the gospel that brings glory to God and blessing to us. The Bible is clear. Marriage is to last until death parts the couple. Malachi 2, beginning in verse 15. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. 
So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Marriage is a lifelong covenant between a biological man and a biological woman. And what they have brought together, there is to be no separation. Let man not separate this. This is a way to honor and celebrate the gospel of God in the picturing of Christ and his church, the bride. Second, regardless of cultural changes, the truth is family is the foundation of society and the primary institution to train and care for children. Children, you need to, you need to honor your father and your mother. You need to obey them in the Lord. Mom and dad, you need to lovingly guide your children with wisdom and grace. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The most important thing a parent can do for their child, for any child that God blesses you with, is to make a disciple of Jesus of them. And Deuteronomy 6 gives us a model for how this is to be done. Deuteronomy 6, 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Speaking of the faith should be normative in your home, should be normative in your car. This should be the conversation and a point of topic every single day. Thus saith the Lord, what does the Bible say? Thus saith the Lord, how can I obey? How can I honor God? This is to be a natural and normal aspect of every family. Third, regardless of cultural changes, the truth is physical intimacy is to be experienced in a covenant of marriage. When we are teaching our young adults uh, and any who are getting married at whatever age, we always speak of in counseling the five connections. And I see it to it at least two or three times a year that I train our entire congregation in these five connections. And so because it requires your hands, I need everyone to put your things down and I need everyone's hands up. Wake up anyone who happened to fall, fell asleep. It happens. Wake them up, everybody up. And if you don't mind, let me see the hands. Let me see the fingers dancing. Party fingers, party fingers everywhere. All right. All right. Five connections. All right. Touch your pinkies. The first is a spiritual connection. This is a vital connection. Darkness cannot be united with light. And so it is crucial that everyone who is married as a Christian is marrying another Christian. Now, this is an important connection, but it's one that you share with just under 2 billion people. The second connection is a mental connection. This is a a way that you begin to connect in your relationship. Having come to an understanding of a similar faith, you talk about the world from from a like perspective. You're able to talk about goals and purpose, all for the glory of God. And the more you do that, you make that third connection, which is your emotional connection. Spiritual, mental, emotional connection. And those three connections are the connections you have with your best of friends. But then there is one connection. Everyone hold up your index finger for me. Everyone hold up just the one finger. Just hold up one. Everyone, everyone got it up? Okay. There's this connection is a connection that you have with one other person. One. It is a romantic connection. Romance is making the the other person feel as valuable as God says they already are. So ladies, no man can make you any more valuable than you already are. You are already worthy of the blood of God. 
Men, no woman can add value to your life. You are worthy by God, by his blood. So what we do as, as those who are in love, romantic love, is we make the other person feel as valuable as God has already said they are. And so that one person that there is a romantic connection with, you must protect that relationship. It's one person. You are not to make another person who is not your spouse or spouse-to-be to feel that way. And if there is someone who is not your spouse or spouse-to-be that is leaning in to seek to make you feel that way, you cut that relationship off. That is fire, and it will always burn. So let's review. There's a spiritual connection, there's a mental connection, there's an emotional connection, then there's that one romantic connection, and then in a covenant of marriage, there's a physical connection. So let's bound that together, shall we? This is marriage. This is biblical marriage. This is what it's to feel like, it's what it's to look like. It is to, it is to be wrapped together tight with Christ in the middle, according to Ecclesiastes 4.12. Now, Not everyone's going to experience those last two connections. And there's a place for those precious people that live in singleness. And that's the fourth thing. Regardless of cultural changes, the truth is, singleness is a blessed calling that requires sacrifice and provides unique opportunities. Living as a single person provides, yes, blessings, but challenges. 1 Corinthians 7, beginning in verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things and how to please her husband. The Bible teaches and gives us clear direction on how to understand these precious people in their singleness. And we need to celebrate it and honor them. Here's what our articles of faith say pertaining to singleness. We believe that God calls some individuals to singleness. While others may be single by reason of death or other circumstances, singleness gives a special testimony to the sufficiency of Christ. Unmarried Christians have a unique availability to focus on the Great Commission and build up the church with their gifts and callings. Now, those of you who are single, you you must be intentional about caring and being cared for by the church. If you're called to be single, that doesn't mean you're called to be in isolation. There's a difference. Being single does not mean you're to be isolated. It does mean you have a unique calling and and challenges. You need to lean into the church to have a connection. That connection needs to happen many times with other singles who can speak into and provide accountability, certainly with people who are in a similar life stage. One of the things I love about our, our family ministry is that there's the opportunity for, for those who are single to speak into one another's lives when, when you're rearing children because there is a great challenge for a single mother or a single father. And there's the need of encouragement and instruction. It's hard. There needs to be also care. You need to see to it that you share honestly about care needs that exist in your life. We have a wonderful deacons ministry. We have unbelievable connect group ministries. All of these are for the glory of God and the benefit of the church. Now, as it pertains to all these beliefs and these commands of God, understand no one is perfect. There is not a marriage in here that is perfect. There's not a single in here that is perfect. There's not a family 
in here that's perfect. There sure ain't a child in here that's perfect. I'm going to tell you that right now. No, none of us are perfect. We all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. And thanks be to God who gives us grace. We have the hope of grace. One of my favorite parts of our articles of faith as it pertains to human beings is the gospel of hope. The gospel hope. As with any sin, we believe that by the gospel, God assures redemption and restoration to all who confess and forsake their, sexual, uh, their sinful sexual expressions and or action. Seek mercy and forgiveness through Jesus Christ and trust and obey him. He offers his resurrection power and the spirit for the battling of temptation. So as we follow Christ and live in accordance with his word and these doctrines, we affirm that our church family has a calling to welcome and love those wrestling with all kinds of temptation, to to point them to Jesus, to help them in their fight to live in obedience, holiness, and wholeness in Jesus. This requires speech and actions that express compassion and respect and and that avoid harassment and hateful attitudes toward any person. The church is a hospital for the sick. The church is a place for the hurting to come to the great physician who helps us in our time of need and provides the medicinal attributes of his life and love through the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of God. It is here that we learn to be the bride of Christ. Again, Hebrews 31 speaks of the bride. And again, this goes beyond just a godly mother. This, this can be and should be said of the church, any church. And we could even work with the pronouns a little bit and see in Proverbs 31, an excellent wife, an excellent church, more precious than jewels. The church works with willing hands. The church provides food for her household. The church dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. The church, yes, even living hope, her lamp does not go out at night, no matter how dark the world may be. No. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Her husband, Jesus, is known in the gates. Strength and dignity are living hope's clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Yes, the children of living up rise up and call her blessed, her husband, Jesus, also, and he praises her. We are the bride of Christ by the grace of God. Every member of Living Hope is a sinner who's been made a saint by the grace of God. And what we say, and, and, and happily to the praise of his name, Regardless of cultural changes, the truth is grace is greater than all sin. And the church is to point to the gospel of Jesus. Grace abounds beyond sin. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work friends this grace is not cheap this grace cost the son of god his life 
This grace, this grace created a brokenness and separation in God the Father. And it broke the heart of the mother of God, Mary. This grace, it's stronger than the darkness. It's new every morning. Our sins, though they are many, his grace and his mercy is more. But it's not cheap. There have been many artists who sought to create a picture of the pain that had been inflicted on Christ, the pain that the father must have felt, yes, even the pain of a grieving mother. Of of them all, the piata, as they say, may be one of the most beautiful pictures and painful. Friends, the grace that saves us, that is greater than all our sin, is costly. And it is to be received with grace gratitude. Friends, I know some of you are grieving today. Some of you are grieving mothers because you've lost a child you love. God knows what it is to lose a a child. Some of you are grieving because you've not yet had that child. God knows what it is to long for a child to return and to be in that household. Some of you are grieving because you know your sin is real and you are not saved You've not received this grace. Let's bow our heads together and let's think about this grace. That expensive, costly, bloody grace that enables us to be a thriving people. Thriving is having the confidence to be intimate with God and the contentment to obey God's commands while trusting outcomes to God's capable care. Are you thriving? You cannot thrive without grace. There is no comfort without grace. There is no life without grace. But you must choose to receive this grace. You must repent of sin You must believe in Christ and his sacrifice. And you must choose to be saved. Let's bow our heads together. Lord God, I pray for any who are not thriving, any who have yet to repent and believe that even right now they would, that right now in their hearts to you, God, they would pray, God, I know I've sinned, but I believe Jesus died for my sin. Forgive me, Lord, and take over my life. I want to be yours. And Lord, I pray that not only will they believe this and be saved, but they will soon be baptized to announce what you have done in their life. God, for those who need comfort today, I pray that your grace will be overwhelming to them to know that you love us as you do and you care for us and that you are going to guide us through every challenge. This for your glory and our blessing. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.